Hello and welcome to What is Culture, a podcast that aims to discover workplace culture through a series of candid interviews. I'm your host, Rocco Longarello, and this is episode number 15 of season three. So I was specifically drawn to today's guest, Sarah Arginal, because she's on a mission to eradicate the burnout epidemic crushing working professionals, specifically working parents. Sarah holds a master's degree in counseling psychology with an emphasis on marriage and family therapy and adult development, but she's also spent many, many years in litigation as a project manager. So being overwhelmed by your responsibilities at work is not uncommon. And the topic has come up more than once on this podcast. In fact, we did an episode in season one with Tango's EJ Rogers, which was titled Workload. And we discussed how some of our employees are often overwhelmed by what's on their plate. Still, as Sarah and I will cover in this episode, there's a difference between being super busy and being burnt out. As founder of the Arginal Institute, host of the Working Parent Resource Podcast, and creator of The Whole Self Lifestyle, Sarah combines 20 years of experience in areas like psychotherapy, coaching, and complex project management to help working parents reclaim their time, their energy, and their identity. We cover many areas in our conversation. We talk about what a burnout culture is, some societal contributions, how to identify it, and what employees and organizations can do to help combat it. Okay, so here we go. The episode actually begins with Sarah sharing her background and professional experience, as well as one of the defining moments in her life that put her on her current path. Let's all learn from her. It's been more of an evolution that then was like punctuated by this moment of meltdown for me when I was a new parent myself. Um, But it started kind of back uh, after college. I wanted to be a lawyer and uh, I was a young graduate. I was 19 when I finished college. So I decided to be a paralegal for a couple of years before I went to law school just to see if I liked it. And I decided very quickly I did not like it and did not want to be a lawyer anymore. Um, But I was working in San Francisco as kind of a young professional. Um, It was my first experience with burnout. I just I worked around the clock. I kind of felt like that's what you were supposed to do is someone in litigation. Um, and I loved the law, but I realized I did not want to be a lawyer for a lot of different reasons. Um, so within a year or two, I decided to go back to school at night and I got my master's in marriage and family therapy and adult development. So psychotherapy. And um, so I've kind of been on this double track for the last 20 years or so where I have worked both in the corporate litigation field um, in San Francisco, Boston, San Diego, Austin. Um, I've kind of, and now I still do freelance work with um, a lot of different firms and companies around the country. Um, But I also have this kind of whole personal development side where I've done a lot of different things. I've done coaching. Um, I got certified as a professional coach a couple of years after I got my master's degree. Um, I had a practice about 10, 15 years ago now where I was helping couples and kind of new graduates deal with with a lot of um, relationship issues, communication issues, conflict resolution issues. Um, I've done kind of all of this personal development stuff. And before I became a mom myself, it was a lot more kind of revolving around Um, managing time, managing energy, um, communication, relationships, that sort of thing. 
And I never really, you know, I, I taught college level psychology and communications and strategies for success for new freshmen. Um, and I've written books, I've written um, articles and been published. I've done so many different things with that personal development background. And then also kind of my day job for a long time was in litigation and, and as a project manager. And I really enjoyed both sides of what I was doing for different reasons um, and kind of just like juggled all the different things for for 20 years or so. And then I got married and had a baby. Um, and <laughs> when I went back to work, hmm. I kind of felt like I would go back to work and it would not be that big a deal. I'm like, well, I've got the project management piece, you know, time management. I know how to like take a lot of things and break it down and make it all happen. I know how to juggle many, many different things with these like crazy deadlines and a lot of pressure, a lot of crazy personalities. Like I'm used to that kind of world. And I also know a lot about parenting and marriage and dealing with transition and families and communication and conflict resolution. I know all of that stuff too. So I think I'll probably be fine. I'll, you know, like have this baby and I'll go back to work and I'll juggle it all. I'll be kind of that yeah, super no problem. <laughs> super mom. Yeah. I, that was my expectation going back to work. And for about two months, I really tried to make that happen. <laughs> and, um, within two months, I, I found myself, um, my husband and I went on a date one day. It was our first date after, you know, my son was, I think about six months old. Um, and it was middle of winter and it was the first date we had had in six months. <laughs> and I, we had a great time and we were getting back in the car and I just burst into tears and he was confused. He's like, we, we just had a wonderful date. Like, <laughs> Are you crying? What's yeah. happening to you what right now? He was I nervous. Do, huh? He was concerned. Yeah. He was like, what's happening? And for him, he's probably like, oh, hormones. Here we go again. Like, I, you know, who knows what he was thinking about at all. But it, that was kind of the moment that I broke down, you know, where I st decided like, like I could keep trying to keep all of this going, but I am miserable. My husband's miserable. Our baby never sees us. Who knows how he feels? you know, we have a three hour commute every day. I'm working so hard. I'm trying to keep all of this together and not just keep it together, but make it look like I haven't missed a beat. I am dying inside. And I, you know, I'm six months in, how am I going to do this for 20 years? <laughs> so I, um, in that conversation that I had with my husband, I just kind of let it all out and said, you know, like, I feel like this is not working for me. It's not working for you. We're not happy. And this is just not the life I want to live. I, think we need to make some changes or at least talk about our life and talk about some of the choices we're making. And, you know, do we still want to live at the time we were in the San Francisco Bay Area? Like, do we want to stay here? Is this worth, you know, the stress and the time that we're putting into commuting and the money that, you know, it's going to cost? And, you know, just all of the questions that I thought we had handled, you know, before we had our son, we had it all kind of dialed in. We had our life, we had our friends and family, we had our budget, you know, we had all sorts of things. And then having a baby just sort of through all of that into chaos. And it took, uh, you know, that was kind of that conversation was the beginning for me of realizing that I was a new person and that I had a new life and that I had to really reconcile a lot of different things that I had kind of thought I figured out, you know, by the, I, I had my first son at 33 and I thought kind of figured I, I had things down, you know, I, I was good at my job. I was successful. Our marriage was great. We had a home, you know, just, we had all of this stuff figured out. And then having a baby and becoming a parent changed everything in our lives and not in a bad way, you know, and not, and not in a good way. You know, there were a lot of different things that we just had to address that I, I knew if we didn't address it, we would kind of go down that path of just being burned out and being miserable and maybe getting divorced someday or, you know, our kids being in therapy or, you know, who knows what kind of bad things that might happen if we didn't face some of this stuff and start making some hard choices. Um, so that was kind of the beginning of this path for me. And then over time, 
I started, you know, I, I at first kind of did some research and I'm like, okay, let me go find the book where they tell you how to do this. Hmm. And I didn't find the book. <laughs> it never, it never showed up for me. And, and instead the message I was seeing really a lot was you can't do it all. You can't have it all. You can't balance, you know, a thriving career and a, an involved family life. You have to choose one or the other. You know, one of the quotes I, I remember hearing was, um, I think it was Shonda Rhimes, and I've written about this quote because it, it really impacted me. She said, you know, that's kind of the deal you make with the devil is you can either be a powerful working woman or you can be a good mom, but you can't be both. And that made me mad. I just kind of felt like if this is the truth, then this sucks. We have an entire like society of people who are doing both. So what we're just supposed to accept that we're going to just be miserable now? I don't think so. Um, so I started doing my own research and finding what was working for me. And I had a lot of people who are um, over time, they'd ask me, you know, oh, you, you like, you seem calmer or you seem happier or you seem like you've kind of got some things figured out. What are you doing or what book can I read or, you know, how did you handle this stage of your son's development or whatever? And at first um, I started, um, you know, just kind of a website that had a list of my favorite resources on there. And that's, that was what kind of this whole thing started as something called the working parent resource. And it really was just like, Hey, here are the ones that I'm finding to be helpful in this world where they're telling us we can't do all of this stuff. And while and, you were, while you yeah. were doing all this, you were still working though, correct? Yep. I was working full time at a law firm, uh, project management. I moved into a technology role. I was a paralegal for about 13 years. And then before I got married and had a, a baby, I moved into a role called a litigation support analyst, which is really, it's kind of a newer role that started. It was created when technology became a thing and all the evidence in litigation became technology-based rather than paper-based. Um, so it, it's really kind of working with teams of attorneys to make sure that they're preserving and collecting and then processing and reviewing data in a way that isn't changing it, first of all, um, and then also in a way that's in compliance with all the court rules around around those kinds of laws. Um, so a lot of consulting with teams of people and then strategizing and working with some budgets and timelines and things, you know, just kind of making sure that everything gets done the way it needs to get done. So that was the work I was doing, very high pressure. I was working at the largest law firm in the world at the time. So there was no such thing as nine to five. We had 85 offices around the world. And, you know, it was, uh, people laughed at me when I was like, oh, I'm going to, you know, check out at 430. <laughs> and they're like, oh, no, you won't. <laughs> You'll be on, you know, email the whole right, mm -hmm. rest of the night. You'll log back in at eight o'clock after you put your baby down and you'll be on the online until one. So, yeah, I was juggling my job, um, my marriage, my newborn baby, um, and then a three hour commute every day. And then that's kind of when I started just I just kind of started putting this website together and it evolved sort of from there. Mm hmm. So it sounds like there's an epidemic of a burnout culture, right? Just from hearing what you're saying and kind of the tipping point or the straw that broke the camel's back was becoming a parent. And I kind of uncovered the same thing where like you had found in when you were searching for books, it basically was like one or the other, right? Either be a good dad or be a good employee. And that is saddening, right? Mm -hmm. So, and it seems obviously, I think, I feel like it hits the working parents the hardest, right? Well, this that's why I decided to focus on this group 
Because I'm like, I see plenty of people who are burned out who are not parents <laughs> or, you know, who are taking care of aging parents themselves or, you know, they're training for a marathon or, you know, they have something else going on in their lives that they're trying to juggle. I'm like, but parents seem to have a whole lot of variables <laughs> happening all at once. Um, you know, it's like this is having a baby, you know, all of a sudden you have a time commitment and an energy commitment and a focus commitment that you didn't have before that you have to factor into your day. Um, but on top of that, you have less flexibility, your identity changes, there's a lot of psychological things going on within you, also within your family dynamic, your marriage, just everything shifts, everything changes. And I, I think we're so busy right now, the pace of our lives, the pace of our society is such that it's hard to slow down enough to really get a grip, you know, to really go, oh God, yeah. this is me now. Oh, okay. I got it. Okay. And now I can go forth with these sets of values or these priorities or this time management style, or, you know, this is how I'm different. And this is, you know, what I'm taking from who I used to be and how I'm going to integrate it into my new lifestyle. Um, and I think that's the piece that we're all so busy and burned out. We don't have time to look at any of that. And if we did, it would change a lot of things. You know, if you were able to do that in the first couple of years of being a parent and, and trying to juggle all of these things that are important to you, you can create a system that worked for you individually. Like each unique individual could come up with something that worked for them and then they'd, you know, kind of be able to adapt from there. But, you know, it's kind of like out the gate, we're all overwhelmed and burned out and it just gets worse as time goes on. So how would you define a burnout culture? Actually, the World Health Organization has defined it. They've recently classified work-related burnout as a syndrome, um, which is something that it's like it's just taking into account a lot of different um, feelings like anxiety or depression or stress or um, just kind of this feeling of overwhelm that's contributing to a negative um, experience in your life. Um, so there's work-related burnout that's been classified by the World Health Organization. I know parental burnout is something that physicians often look at as well as another kind of area to take into account when they're diagnosing somebody with something. But for me, it's really just not enjoying the experience that you're having, whether it's as a parent or as an employee or as a, you know, an owner of a company or just in life, not enjoying your experience, but instead feeling like you have to grind through your day. Mm -hmm. So what do you think are some societal contributions to a burnout culture? There are a lot of different societies. I've just written a book and one of the chapters goes through many different contributions to burnout. Um, a few of the big ones, um, I have a whole section on myths and beliefs. And what I'm finding, especially with working parents, um, but I think with a lot of people these days, like, you know, kind of new graduates or other people who are struggling with burnout, I think there's this belief that this is just kind of how it is now. This is this is what it is to be a working parent or this is what it is to be a professional in modern society. And I think that we're starting to just accept that this is the way life is supposed to be. It's supposed to be stressful. It's supposed to be anxiety producing. It's not supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be a grind. We're supposed to hustle. You know, like all of those beliefs that are, I think we see a lot of messages out there that are reinforcing this belief that you're not supposed to enjoy your life. You're supposed to just get through your life and power through. And that's what, that's kind of the crux of what I'm fighting against is number one, that message. Because if we don't, challenge that message, we're just going to buy into it and we're just going to kind of get swept up in what is happening already exactly. in society. Um, so I think that's number one. Um, but there's a lot of other stuff going on too. I think that over the last 15 to 20 years, technology has played a huge role. Um, before we had social media, things were a little bit slower paced. We weren't as connected to everyone in the world, which 
can be both a good thing and a bad thing. But I think we're seeing a lot of people's life, you know, on the highlight reel, as they say, which means that we are having to compete with people around the world that may or may not have different um, advantages or resources or tools or support groups or anything, you know, things like that. So we're, we think that we have to achieve all of these things. And a lot of it is unreasonable. It's not sustainable. It's not something that we might even need to achieve. You know, like maybe some people don't need to become a CEO of a company or, you know, get to that C-level this week. They, you know, maybe they can just work in a certain level at their company and be happy there. You know, I think we're kind of adopting a lot of expectations that are not coming from within us. They're coming from outside of us. Um, so that's an, another kind of area. Another one is this kind of guru culture that I've noticed um, where we have a lot of expert advice out there. We have a lot of books telling you how to live your life, how to be, you know, how to improve yourself, how to be better at what you're doing, how to streamline your time, how to be more productive or effective or impactful or how to change the world, how to be a better parent, how to be a better spouse. All of those things are coming at us all day long, not only in book form, but podcast form or, you know, articles or social media feed or from our friends and family, even our support groups that's coming at us all the time. And I think it's, I think it's getting harder to understand what's important to us or what would work for us right now in this moment. And instead we're really, you know, kind of just taking on like, okay, this is what, you know, this expert guru person told me I should do. So I'm going to just do that. And then it might not work out for us, at, you know, to that, the degree we expect it to. And then we think it's our fault, you know, that we're a failure and we just need to try harder. So I see kind of just these, these patterns of behavior that have become unconscious almost in our society at large. This is not even something that I see just with working parents, but I think in general, we're, we're starting to look outside of ourselves for solutions rather than look within ourselves for what we really need in each moment and, and honoring kind of what our values are or what would make us happy. And instead we're, we're just kind of adopting what other people have decided we should adopt. <laughs> you know, we're kind of taking our cues from everyone else besides ourselves. Um, so that's another one. Um, Stop me anytime. I've got about 40 of these things. Um, but those are just a few of them that yeah. I think are really contributing to just the challenge of enjoying our lives as working parents in modern society. Like you said, it's just this expectation that if you're not really burnt out, then you don't have enough work, right? There's some of that exists. Mm -hmm. and I, so I just wonder for for leaders listening to this podcast, for people in leadership roles, at, in organizations, what what can companies do specifically to help combat this burnout culture? I mean, I think it. Here's what I've discovered about burnout: is that it's not. I, I think we approach it as the kind of a surface level thing, like it's about time management, or it's about stress reduction, or it's about self care, you know, or or something like that. And I think it's partially that, but it, it's so much more than than that as well. I think it's a very complex situation, and each of us. We're all living very different lives. And I think the only way at this point to combat burnout culture, it, it, you know, it's not about just making sure that people have a link on a website to an EAP resource, or it's not about putting together a walking challenge in our company or bringing someone in for a mindfulness seminar. I think that we've, we've started to do some of that stuff. And I don't think, you know, I think that's a good start, but it's not addressing the underlying you know, reasons for our burnout. And what I've discovered in working with people over, you know, the last 20 years or so, but especially over the last five years and working specifically with parents who are kind of trying to juggle so many different things, a lot of the burnout happens because we're trying to do 
too much and we're not given the autonomy to make decisions for ourselves. And so when, you know, when a leader of a company has an issue with burnout, you know, if they have a reputation for burnout or if they're having trouble either attracting or retaining talent because of burnout or if the, the employees that they do have, the teams that they do have, if there's, you know, there's not a lot of communication or if the results are not where they want them to be, often I think it's more about the fact that they're creating a culture that is based on these external demands, external obligations or external expectations versus who is on my team? You know, who are who are the unique individuals that I am managing or supervising or employing? Who are the people that make up my team? What do they need right now today? Because we see a lot of people showing up to work and they're burned out, they're tired, they're exhausted, mm -hmm. they're stressed, they're anxious. They're, we have kids who are in daycare all day or we have to be up all night with a newborn or they're sick and we're up all night with a sick kid, you know, and then we get sick. And there are just, you know, we have a lot of things happening in our lives that don't stop when we walk through the door in the morning at our jobs. And I think a lot of companies, you know, in the past, there's been kind of this bright line between work and, and personal life. But I, you know, as we know, we all show up in all areas of our lives as who we are. So if we're going through a divorce or if we have a sick baby or if, you know, we have too much on our plate or we're worried about finances, whatever that stuff is that's stressing each of us out individually, we show up to our day jobs with that stuff on our minds, you know, and it impacts mm -hmm. our performance. So I think leaders can do a lot around accepting that they have unique individuals on their teams and that those unique individuals make up their company culture. And so if they can focus more on drilling down to who am I talking to right now? What might be on their mind? What might they be stressed out about? Where might they need some extra support? You know, what could we do to make things more flexible or easy for them to manage? Do they have too much work on their plate? If they aren't working, you know, if they are bored, okay, let's give them more work. If they're just managing, that doesn't mean that they're, you know, not, not working hard enough. It means that they're working optimally and mm -hmm. there's a difference there. That's you know, true. it's really, I think, changing our perspective and starting to reject a lot of these just, again, common assumptions and beliefs that don't serve anymore it's it you know hustle and grind culture does not produce great work happy employees produce great work you know and great results and great teams so i think changing the you know shifting the focus on what we're trying to solve the problems we're trying to solve is the key to overcoming burnout culture both individually like within each person within each team and within each company Mm -hmm. Yeah, let, this is that's so interesting. Let me ask you, I mean, I guess I don't know necessarily if it's playing devil's advocate, but so is it up to me, Rocco, the employee, to ensure that I'm not burnt out? Or is it up to my employer to give me the tools I need to not become burnt out? Like who's responsible ultimately for their well-being? Is it the organization or is it the employee? It's both. Uh, and this is where a lot of my work has shifted over the last four or five years. When I first started doing this, I was working with individuals and I was saying, okay, like, hey, this is your life. I think we each have our responsibility to manage our lives in a way that works for us. And if you're at a company where you're burned out and overwhelmed, go to a different company, get a different job, you know, like make choices that work for you and your family, move, you know, what, whatever, like each of us within ourselves, there is no one else on the planet that is a responsible for our happiness or our, our experience in life. But also there's no one else who's ever going to be able to make changes in our lives the way that we need to and, and should. So number one, I think individuals need to start addressing some of this themselves. I think it's really easy to say like, well, if only, you know, the government would change the laws and we could have longer paternity leave, that would help things. Or if only we, 
you know, had affordable daycare or things like that. Like, yes, those things would help, but how long are we going to wait for society to fix our problems for us? Mm -hmm. You know, to an extent we are responsible in for our own individual lives and for our families, for our kids, that's our job. And we need to start doing that work and start taking that responsibility. Number one, But I've also worked with a lot of individuals over the years who are doing those things. They are trying to make those changes. They are trying to make new choices or, you know, change their habits or simplify their lives or whatever. They're working on that stuff. But if we don't change the culture at large, and that means, you know, not only our companies, but our communities, all of the things around us that that surround the individuals that live in the society. If we don't do that, then people are just going to hit their heads against the wall. They're going to be trying to make these changes individually, but then they're going to come up against these norms and mores from our our companies or our society at large, and it's not going to be compatible. You know, if somebody is trying to improve their life and and they go to their boss and say, hey, here's what I think would, you know, it would be really helpful for me to have a flexible schedule or to work remotely once a week or, or something. And here's how I think I could make that work for the company. Or, you know, if, if somebody can come and start saying, hey, I've, I'm trying to make these changes. I'm trying to make this manageable and doable. And, and not only that, but I want to be my optimal self when I arrive at work. Here's how I think that could work. If, if there's a culture who beats that down, who isn't supportive of that, who doesn't care about the individual, you know, ex- experience or doesn't care about how they're, their people are existing in life, then they're not going to get very far there either. Um, so I think we really need to have a focus in both on both sides. It, it's not the responsibility of the company to make everybody happy in their company, but it also isn't the responsibility of individuals to only do it. You know, I think we need to kind of come at it from both sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I, but I also wonder, like, if I'm an employee, how do I know that I'm not just overwhelmed or working hard versus burnt out like what are some signs that you're you're absolutely like tapped out like what are some signs that it's beyond overwhelmed um there are i think a lot of different um symptoms that start to arise um anxiety depression it becomes more of a long-term experience versus just like i'm i'm tired today or i'm I'm just tired for this you know three or four period and three three or four day period of time where I'm trying to get this project out the door and then my life will go back to normal. If your day-to-day experience over a long period of time is that you're not managing, that you're unhappy, that you wake up exhausted, that you feel stressed and intense, that you can't sleep at night, or, you know, when you wake up, you don't feel like you've gotten enough sleep, or you just, you know, you feel like you're reacting to everything in your life. I think everybody has kind of different symptoms that show, you you know, like for me, my red flags for burnout might be different than another person's, but those are some for me. For me, when resentment comes up, that's showing me that I'm I'm starting to get burned out. Um, So I think it's a little different for everybody, but there are some common symptoms that lead to burnout. But the thing that I've seen that is what I call this cycle of burnout, this toxic cycle of burnout. And what happens is people kind of live these chaotic lives where they are, they're juggling so many things that they're not thinking ahead and planning ahead and being proactive in their life. Instead, they're being very reactionary. They're kind of like living in emergency mode or survival mode. And when these fire drills come at us all day long, every day, and we're kind of just like reacting to that, we are, we're in this defensive position where we can't get on top of our lives. We feel like we're out of control. We feel like we're never going to catch our breath. We're never going to have enough time to do the things that are important to us. We're kind of just getting through the obstacles and, and expectations of the day. We're not enjoying our lives. We're not engaging in things that are meaningful to us or fulfilling for us. Instead, we're just kind of like powering through our day so we can collapse into bed at night. 
Um, another kind of thing I see people doing is numbing out at the end of the day, either drinking wine, eating kind of unhealthy food, scrolling through social media, binging TV. Those kinds of things are numbing out versus doing things that fill us up, something that makes us happy, something that recharges and re-energizes us. Um, so, there, you know, I think that there are a lot of people who kind of go through that as life, as their lifestyle, you know, that is just kind of the way that their life works. They're going so fast through their life. They don't have time to think. Then they get to the end of the day and they kind of just zone out and then they start all over the next day. They're not like connecting and being present with the people in their lives, whether that's at work or at home. They don't feel like they have enough time for themselves. They don't feel like they have enough time to do things that are really energizing for them or, or meaningful for them. Um, and if that's the lifestyle that you have where you're exhausted, at some point you hit a, you hit a wall, you either get sick physically or you kind of just like numb out and you just kind of mm -hmm. check out of your life for a week or, you know, a weekend or something like that. Or you try to do things like I'm going to go get a massage or I'm going to go get a mani-pedi or I'm going to like take a weekend away with my spouse. I'm going to try to do these things to get back into the saddle of my life. But instead of kind of using those those moments of self-care to energize yourself enough to make real lasting changes in your life. What I'm seeing people do is, okay, I'm, I'm like kind of just going through this chaotic part of my life. I take a weekend away or I go get my massage or whatever it is. I go for a run. I do some yoga, whatever that thing is for each person to recharge. They do it, but then they go right back to the same lifestyle that created the burnout in the first place. And then they just kind of have this roller coaster experience of like, okay, hyperspeed lifestyle and then totally like shut down and then recharge it a little bit and then go back to my hyperspeed lifestyle. And so what I really try to help people do is like, okay, when you have those moments after you've recharged, we need to make some different decisions so that the life you're going back to isn't one of chaos and exhaustion and fire drill mode. Instead, it's something that you can manage over the long term. It's something that feels good on a lasting basis. It's not something that you're going to have to go escape from at some point. It's something that you just enjoy day to day. And that's how, you know, that's why I talk about really defeating this burnout culture and really defeating, you know, not just kind of like minimizing it or reducing it or, you know, taking it away for a period of time, but really like it's possible to not live a life where you're burned out all the time. And that's the difference is when you have those moments of energy, instead of going, you know, saying, okay, cool. Like I caught my breath and let, let me go back to the way I was living before that created that burnout. Instead, we actually changed the underlying source of that burnout. There you go. That's the show. Great conversation. Thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on. Excellent information and really such an important topic and worthy of a spotlight here. I mean, we're talking about our emotional well-being. You know, this is a tough one, this whole topic. I'm struggling with some final words here, like, what do I say? I mean, I don't know. I know there's a fine line between working hard and being burnt out. For me, you know, last time I checked, there's 52 weeks in a year. And last year, I put out 48 episodes, nearly one a week. And I also, in the middle of Christmas break, I built a website from scratch. And I had a new baby, obviously, throughout all of this. So, and I had to work some weekends. I mean, it was nuts. There were some times it was just like, whew. but at the end of the day, you know, am I fulfilled professionally? The answer to that is yes. Am I proud of my accomplishments? Of course, no question. Have I made some unhealthy sacrifices as a result? Uh, yes, absolutely. But, but like Sarah said, burnout isn't a surface level thing. It's very complex and it's different for me and it's different for you. And 
I don't know, I'm just, I guess I'm happy to get this episode out there and this message out there. And I just, I'm hopeful that it'll inspire some conversations. It's something we should all think about. If you would like to learn more about how to help defeat burnout, visit Sarah's website, arginalinstitute.com. That's spelled A-R-G-E-N-A-L institute.com. There you can read up on Sarah's whole self lifestyle, which provides a sustainable and long-term approach to fulfillment for working parents and professionals. Also, be sure to tune into her show, The Working Parent Resource Podcast, if you're especially interested in this topic. Links to Sarah's podcast and website can also be found on our site, whatisculturepodcast.com. Thank you all for listening, and really thanks again, Sarah, for coming on. Until next time.